What up? It's me. It feels like I haven't done one in ages, but realistically, it's every two weeks now, like fucking clockwork since I got a desk. The desk that changed my life. There it is. The life-changing desk. What's going on? I don't know what's going on with me. What have I been doing? Loads of shit. I feel like I'm well busy. Podcasts. More of these. Loads of this stuff. Lockdowns hopefully ended or ending wherever you are. Wherever you may roam, unless you're in Florida, in which case it never happened. Enjoy that. Um, oh, I really hate plugging shit. Oh, if you like my shit, just you know where to go for all the shit. We've got a Patreon, the downbeat. Uh, it's a pound. Um, and you, you get this early. And I've got t-shirts, www.thedownbe.at, so it spells downbeat. Um, that's about it for... I don't really want to plug you too much, to be honest, guys. You might remember that the last episode of The Downbeat was uh, Justine, an episode which I thought I'd lost, right? So when I was trying to find the Matt Halpern episode, spoiler, that's this week's guest, I found Justine's missing episode. Unfortunately, I didn't find Matt's episode, but he did agree to do another one with me. So we did that, and it was good. It was a lovely time. Um, we talked about uh, his new snare drum. He's got a lovely new pearl snare drum. The ins and outs of creating something like that. We talked about NFTs. We talked about replying to comments on the internet. Little shitty little fucking fart sniffers. Uh, we had a good old chat. He was sat a little bit far away from his microphone. So if it sounds a little bit like he's in a cave... I can't do anything about that. Apparently there isn't an app for that. I've had a little search. But it was a great chat. He's a he's a very wise man. He's very good at the drums as well. One of the fucking best. But also, he actually got a little bit... What's the word? Let his guard down a little bit about um, some stuff regarding performing, which I thought was pretty interesting. He's probably gutted that he let his guard down. But I think it's very normal and should be done more explaining what your neuroses are when performing in your instrument so it's actually quite beneficial for you it's not just me talking bollocks at someone for a couple of hours so enjoy it is matt halpern on the downbeat podcast I'm coming at you now. I'm so sorry, man. It's I'm cool, so, man. Th- thank you for coming back because <laughs> take two and I'm recording on a brand new Mac because I just couldn't have that happening again. Well, so did you, did, it, did your Mac crash or did you <clears throat> clear the files just in the, so, in the process of clearing a bunch of other shit too? Y- yeah. So I have like, I have one folder that I put all the podcasts in. So I've got the same, uh, like mix for my voice or whatever and I can just tweak the guest so I did that week I did about three episodes so I was like I've learned my lesson I'm never going to be this organized ever again I was like okay I've got all these people I'll get them all in the session I'll import all the audio or whatever and then I'll put it on its own channel or whatever and then when I was running out of space I select in the this is what I do on my old Mac because I had like no storage I would select 
the unused audio in the session and delete it like old takes old podcasts that have happened and i no longer need it yours wasn't on its own channel erased got it yeah and i i mean i usually will wait when i do recordings like this i'll wait about a week to make sure that nobody hits me up and then i just clear everything too so i just i gave it the week and then i didn't hear from you and i just assumed all good so i assumed all good as well it's because I don't like to record the intro until like the day it comes out okay. in case there's anything that I have to plug or like uh, like current affairs or whatever to put on my intro. So in my head, I'm just teetering along like, la la la, got that episode and then the Matt episode, everything's fine, got to it, gone. It's fine, man. I'm not, I'm not pressed. It's not like we, uh, it's not like we don't have free time on our hands these days, so... Don't worry about it. I mean, it was a fucking great conversation, though. It were, and but that's the, that's kind of cool because it was just for us. Yeah, it was good. I mean, look, I, I, we're, we, I, I don't think we were doing it for an audience. There might have been certain little things here and there, but it was just good to catch up. So I'm happy to I'm happy to talk again. It's all good, man. I uh, I thought you were gonna be mad at, or I thought you were mad at me this morning when I sent that over. But I might have just caught you at like right at the right moment where you were like, ah, oh, come on. Where, what what did I reply for context? Give me a Matt, break. You said Matt, gi- you said give me a break. <laughs> oh Matt, uh, Matt slem- sent me unsolicited technique advice on a video, um, which was right. But I don't think it was. I, it, is it te- is that technique advice? That's more just like. Yeah. I don't you know. You said breathe or something like that I said, something uh, really Matt Halpern I said that, if I was making I said, a caricature yeah. text from you to me <laughs> I said uh, I said loosen up your torso because yeah. because you look like you're flexing as you're playing and if you do that your arms are going to look like this and I know that the only reason I say stuff like that to people like you is two well two things one I know you can take the constructive criticism even though I don't think I'm a fucking expert at everything drumming, but that particular area is something that I spend like all my time in with my students and with myself. So I was like, oh, like I'm gonna say this and I don't care what he says. Cause, cause, You're absolutely wrong. But two, I've seen you play the opposite way. I've seen you play completely relaxed and there is, whether you know it or not, or whether you've analyzed it, there is a, incredible difference between the two things from a timing feel comfortability perspective of just watching you and like again I say this I say it this way because that is the thing that I notice first about any drummer some people notice like oh this drummer plays fast or this drummer does this thing or that thing the thing that I notice first on any drummer is just that quality and I could tell that you were like tensed up so I didn't know if it was on purpose or if like you said you had just got done lifting 400 deadlifting 400 fucking pounds right that what actually I mean I will be the first to admit that I am the most fucking rigid player ever when I'm playing metal when I'm playing other shit I like fucking chill out but metal I just go okay adrenaline on but those videos I was in a fucking hurry to get them out because they're for my playthrough pack Mm. I deadlifted and then I shot three videos back to back and that was the last video, and I was fucking absolutely fucking shot. Yeah. But <laughs> my reply was in jest. Well, I'm sure it was, but I also, like... Then you text me saying, do you hate me? <laughs> well, but, but 
I mean, one, it is, it was unsolicited, which can be annoying, especially if you don't catch someone in the right moment. And I should practice what I preach in, you know, in, 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 in asking someone like, Hey, can I, can I uh, say this little thing that I want to say to you before I say yeah, it? Yeah, but we're friends. We're friends. Exactly. And that's the thing. I would expect you to do the same thing to me. And there's plenty of, of oh, things. Oh, I'm gunning. And you should because there's a lot of things. <laughs> Look, I might be I – don't, I don't ever say that I'm an expert on anything. But when it comes to, to, to drumming, the one thing I'm comfortable saying I'm a quote-unquote an expert on is like – that quality that we were talking about of like, like just becoming the beat, right? Relaxing. I suck at double bass. I'm not the fastest drummer. My chops aren't fucking anywhere near the ability of every other drummer that's a million times better than me at that shit. I just, I care about grooving, you know? I so think your feet, are, your feet are way better than you give yourself credit for. That fucking, what the fuck is that song? Is it Church Burner? Oh, Blood Eagle? Church burner. Blood eagle. Yeah, what? but it, it, like, you're catching it on a good night. Nice. That's what I always say. Like, oh man, you kill it. Like, most of the time, I don't. <laughs> I don't. No, and like, dude, my feet suck. Like, they they tense up all the time. My left foot, in particular, becomes like a brick, and and I don't know what the what the um, what the catalyst for it is. Like, I don't know. Like, certain nights, my left foot is amazing, and it, it will respond exactly the way I want, whether I warm up or not. And then other nights, it's like a brick, and I can't fucking move it, and it gets, like, literally tensed up. So, this happens to me on my right foot, probably happening to me in that video, right? I went to... I've, I've been to, like, fucking sports science... Sports, I had a sports scientist drum student who helped me with a bunch of the shit and Kairos and shit. And the one thing that helps me with... It still happens, but, like, limiting that happening, especially on tour, is stretching the quad, quadratus... Fuck. Quadratus lumborum muscle, right? It's in your torso, which I should be fucking chilling out on. Uh, in really deep inside and there's really specific stretches for it QL they just call it the QL muscle QL stretches and it's basically when you're sat it is contracted and when you look at him he's getting his pen out he wants to write this down I am um, writing it when, down when you sit it gets contracted and obviously any muscle contracted doesn't perform that fucking well that's so, exactly what it feels like it feels like I'm whether it's the way I'm sitting certain nights or, or something like it feels like I can't even use my fucking legs. That's me on my right leg. I have exactly the same thing. QL stretch. Okay. I just wrote it doesn't it down. get rid of it. Totally. It doesn't get rid of it totally. But I find if I'm having like, I get it in bouts on tour, it will just flare up one night. Then it's there for five nights. Right. Th then it goes away. And I second guess myself. Like there'll be parts where I'll have, like in certain songs, whether it's Church Burner or like uh, It's Only Smiles, there are these stretches of, of consistent double bass that overall are not really that fast. Like I can absolutely play much faster than that certain times. But then other times it's like I can't – it's like my timing is off because my foot feels like it's got a goddamn cinder block on it and I don't know why. And I, I, I wonder too if it's like my hip flexors, like my hips being tight or something like that. But – all of those muscles, the QL is like starts in the torso and goes right down in through your hips. I think it might even be one of the hip flexors. 
but that's a fucking that's a shout well i yeah i suck at it and then when i watch guys that like um like when i was on tour with with federico Polovich. so and i've talked about this before like that dude warms up his hands every night at a clinic or at a show. Like he needs to use these heavy fucking metal sticks and use a pad and, and warm up his single strokes and warm up his hands. I don't need to ever warm up my hands. My hands are always there, right? His feet, he doesn't have to touch. And his feet are absolutely insane. And it's like, what? what is it? Is it, I wonder if it has to do with like your lumbar system or, or just like your core strength, you know, with or certain people. Or even something like leverages, like... I mean, he, I'm he, the same. he has it dialed in to where like he can explain exactly what he's doing and the, the, the pedal settings, the height settings, the positioning of his feet, how he, how he sits. But like, I, it's also just like, that's one of his gifts. It's just in there. Yeah. Right. I always think that would double kick. I, I practiced for fucking years cause I love death metal. I practiced for years. And before anyone goes, oh, you didn't do the right thing. I did it all. I did the Derek Roddy exercise, the George Colias exercise. I got the fucking direct drives. I got this. I got that. I practiced for hours. I got fucking private lessons. I got fucking video lessons from Derek Roddy. I did all this shit. I just can't fucking do it. And I wonder, it's like the same way that some people squat heavy and they can't bench because their arms are too long but their legs have the right leverages and no matter what they do, they will never be world beating at one of those things. I feel like, is it just the way some people are built? And if it is that, it must mean there is a technique we could use. Uh, oh, the, people that, the people that naturally suck at double bass need to go like, I'm not just, this is pulling something out of the fucking air because I don't really want to learn this. Swivel is for you guys because I've never fucking tried it. Right. Uh, yeah, I've never really spent enough time on it. Um, but it, when I watch it, it's like, oh, I bet I could figure this out. But then the thing is, the same thing happens when I start moving my left leg in that in this motion back and forth. I end up locking up and getting tight and cramping. And I, so I don't know. But it, it, double bass has never been easy for me. And I don't know if it's because of my body type or not doing the right stretches or not practicing the right techniques. And uh, it's something I've struggled with my whole career as a drummer. You know, and now granted, I was also, I never had the bug. Like I never got bit by the bug that was like, oh, like I'm gonna spend a, a year working on building up to being able to play at like 250. You know, that was- I did it and I never got there. I think you, you definitely did. Like I hear, I, I, I've seen you play double bass and I watch you play and I'm like, yeah, I can't do that, that to that level. And I know it, it, it's like, I don't know. It's just certain people have more strength. Uh, You're strength. catching a good day though. Again, and, right. and the reason I don't write double bass parts is because the day that you saw on the Instagram, one in fucking 500, that's mm. why it's on there. Yeah. And there's no way that I could write those parts, then go on tour and play it every night. I would just be fucking chill. You know what, though? It's interesting. The looseness that I always preach to you and fucking, you know, vomit all over everybody is I have to be careful because it does come naturally, naturally to me. And it, if I look at my body type and the way that I'm built, dude, I am so God. Like, look, I can bend my pinky back like that. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> Right. That is fucking revolting. I'm I, sorry. That's Jesus okay. Christ. No, 
It's okay. I gotcha. But but uh but like that's how I'm sorry for anyone listening, he just bent his pinky back the wrong way to touch his fucking wrist and he's doing it again. Yeah. But Oh my god. That's how my body like my joints are super loose naturally. Yeah, fucking made of jelly. Right. So it's uh it's easy for me to tap into that on the drums and you still use like the muscles I need to play, but it's like that. Yeah. Right. Instead of like really tight. And it's just, it, it's, it's foreign for me to be tensed up as opposed to, you know, walk around every day, like a goddamn Gumby, you know, <laughs> which is, which is, which is also why I think the double bass thing is an issue because I think you have to, when you're, when you are playing very fast double bass, there's, there's some stability required in your core to be able to balance yourself so that your feet can go back and forth like that, whether you're, no matter what technique you're using, you need some level of, of balance. Right. And I've, my core, I, I mean, it's, it's strong when I go to lift weights, right. When I'm doing deadlifts or when I'm doing sit-ups or whatever it is like you know, using overhead, you know, my muscles to lift things over my head, like it's there. But when I play drums, I'm like, a curve like I'm super yeah. like pliable even in that way and I, I think that's another reason why I'm probably clamping those muscles that you're referring to which inhibits my ability I think like it's a weird one because people are like I'm gonna do something crazy soon I think I'm gonna do it tomorrow uh, I'm gonna make my seat height different just different I don't know what I'm just gonna make it different to just see because, again, we've got all this time. I'm not rehearsing for anything. Mm. I'm just going to fucking change my height and be like, wonder what happens. I've tried it before and it was fucking shit. I sit naturally low and I play better low. But I'm just going to do it and see if maybe it makes me even work out some muscles that I wouldn't normally work out when I go back to sitting down. It's so crazy, dude. I, like, I watched Sam Applebaum play, who is, has amazing feet. And dude, he's on the ground, like he, like literally as low as possible, and he's, can can rip with his feet. And it's it's like it's consistent. It always sounds good, and it's kind of depressing for me to watch because I can't do that. But then I watch like Chris Turner, and he's you know on top of his drums, and he's got that same ability too. And I don't know. I mean, it's all about body type, right? Same with Travis yeah. Orban, or like. Even watching Mike Mangini play or Thomas Lang, these are guys, these are guys that to me have insane foot control, right? And then I watch guys like Krim, who I'm always the most jealous of because that like guys like him are, are they have the perfect balance of what we're talking about. They have the ability to absolutely rip with their feet in a comfortable way, and then also groove like motherfuckers. Mario from, from so yeah. insane. Mario from Gojira, same thing. Like has has that perfect balance of both and ability for both. But I've read in interviews with Mario that he's like he regrets writing the parts he used to write because he's getting older and they're getting harder. Hmm. It doesn't seem like uh, it, but fair I enough. I know, but like, it, I, I can't, it was in like a French magazine, and he, obviously, uh, but he was, no, I think it might have been in Rhythm, actually, and he was basically saying that Vinnie Paul, Vinnie Paul told him ages ago, like, start making your parts easier, and he didn't listen, <laughs> and then now he's like, oh, this bit's fucking really difficult. Yeah. Whereas I feel like someone like Krim, the swivel, 
I'll be honest with you, I'm never going to learn it. It looks like something that I I should have learned now is too fucking late to change my entire career. It's like suddenly, like, oh, my job is fucking making rockets. I'm going to I'll make submarines now. Like, it's such a fucking big switch. But something like that seems to have longevity from a playing point of view. Like, I feel like once you've got that, it's just fucking in there. It's muscle memory, yeah. And I, I mean... I watched uh, I've watched a number of, of drummers in the past couple of years completely change the way they play. Like I don't know if like Naveen Cooper wise, I don't know if he always did double strokes with his feet. I don't think he did. I think he was using swivel, and now I'm watching him and he's destroying doubles. And it's I I don't have that discipline to be able to sit there for hours and teach myself on a daily basis how to develop that muscle memory. Like I, I know what it. I know what it requires. Like I, I totally understand that if I set aside a number of months and committed every day to, to practice at a certain tempo for an hour or two hours or three hours a day, I could probably get these techniques down just because, and you could too, just because we're drummers. We have the ability to, to use our bodies in that way. But it's also like, are we going to commit to doing that? Practically, I'm not. I'm not going to commit no, to doing. I that. need to make money. <laughs> I don't yeah, there's other to be fucking doing this. Yeah, and I'm for not stray from the path. Oh, I need to play 280 double kick for stray from the path. No, I fucking don't. <laughs> uh, right, and and I don't really need to do that for periphery. And that's not a knock on these guys. And oh, frankly, sick, though. For, it it would it would totally be I, dude. It would alleviate so much stress that I have. Like when when we're writing music that that has some of those parts or when I listen to like even some of the stuff on the new uh, on Misha's new record the bulb record that he's putting out I can't play it like I hear it and I'm like oh yeah there's like I'm glad this isn't a periphery song because I wouldn't be able to play that but in my mind I automatically go to five drummers that I know could and I'm like man well they should totally you know go play this shit live because I can't do it like uh, there's no way um, the thing about the doubles though right is you need to change the way your kit sounds for the doubles. You like, unless you've got those crazy little hammer triggers. So you you either this is my my beef with them. It's not beef because I have no beef with anything. But like, in order to do that double stroke technique, like the people who are fucking really fucking good at it, you either need to always trigger your bass drum. Which means your single pedal technique is going to have to completely fucking change. You're going to have to never bury the beater. That that so that's already like another offshoot of changing my fucking career to change one setting. Or you need to switch to direct drive pedals. Pretty much universally, you need to do direct. Uh, you need to do one of these, or you switch to direct drives. Which again, I fucking I, I play so badly on a direct. I can't drive do pedal. it. Yeah, I, I can't do can't it. Fucking do it. Yeah. Um, or you need to tune your bass drum super, super high to get the rebound. And all, I, I will not do any of those. Rudy showed me how, I don't know about how Naveen does it, but how some of these guys are doing the doubles is fucking, like, legitimately nearly cheating. So it's crank the fucking head as high as possible, triggers on, then you play... Honestly, you play single strokes badly, so you get two hits. You know, like how when you first learn how to do a double stroke roll and you do a buzz roll, yeah. and you go, oh, look how fast I am. That's what some people are doing with these double strokes. They're just doing a buzz roll with their feet. You just have a bit of a shitty heavy foot, and you go, 
Right. And it goes... I had a go on Rudy's setup, which was set up to do it, because when he joined Whitechapel, he had, like... There was one song he couldn't do. Naveen recorded it, actually, on the Whitechapel album, and it was, like, 260 double kicks, and he was like, I'm going to have to double this. Yeah. And I had a go, and within, like, 20 minutes, I was like, yo, if my kick drum was set up like this, I could probably rip double kick. But then I tried to play just, like, boom, ba, ba, boom, boom, ba. The fucking rebound and the trigger noise was just like, nah, that's not, I can't do it. Was there a shit ton of padding in the bass drum too to, to deaden it? Yeah. Right. Just like, it just sounded horrendous. Right. Well, that's the trade-off. And that's the thing that, I, those are the exact same things that I'm not willing to bend on because I care more about like the my my preference for the, the, the sound of the kick drum and the yeah. feel of the kick drum. And the feel. Right. And I need to be able to... The, the, especially with what I play, the majority of what I play is groove based. It's not technical speed based. Um, yeah. So it's not. It, it would be an unfair trade off. And even when like we've talked about triggers in the band, like we, like we've totally talked about like, hey, maybe I should get triggers on the kick, and we can trigger some GGD kick drums, and we can, you know, uh, it, it'll help with consistency. I'm like, yeah, but then it takes away the human aspect of it and everything that I've been doing my whole fucking life. You'll have to change the way you play to get them to sound good. Yeah. Like, and and even, even what you're just saying there about like it's not a trade-off you're willing to do, subconsciously, whether or not you know it or not, as a businessman, it's bad business to spend hours doing something you don't need to do. You don't need to do that for periphery. So to fucking sit and learn it for fucking 10 hours a day, yeah, you might want to do it for fun, but we're getting to this point in our fucking ages in our twilight where it's like i can't make the the decision of like i'm gonna learn how to do this for fun and then i'm gonna unlearn it so i can play fucking gigs it just right. makes right makes no sense well and that's the thing so i get questions a lot about like how come you use your floor tom in between your kicks so like i'll do like triplets like you know like like that but instead of it being all double bass i'll do Kick, you know, like kick, kick, floor, kick, kick, floor, kick, kick, floor, like that. Yeah. They're like, you know, people ask me all the time, how come you do that and you don't play it with full double bass? And you know, the uh, the answer that that you know makes me look good is like, oh, I just really like the way it sounds. You know, it sounds cool. There's some there's some dynamic to it. It's just a it's a cool thing. The reality is, I'm not able to every night play it with my double bass consistently yeah. and if if i have to trade off between having the notes there in some form or another or having it train wreck i'd much rather play with the notes there some way or another and if it comes down to like if if there's a there are nights where i feel confident enough and i feel like i can tell like i'm ripping i'll play it all double bass but that is like one out of ten shows but I have, I have those sections. Dan from Architects has those sections. And a lot of the time it's just like, I used to be able to do this thing, and now for some fucking reason I just can't do it anymore, so then I just change it. And nine times out of ten, exactly what you're saying, every, some, I mean, maybe not like, why don't you do that double bass, but people will go, man, I can't, so like, Die Pig by Straven the Path has that, 16th note offbeat thing bagga, dagga, dagga, dagga. so it's floor tom and kick mm-hmm. digga, 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 digga. my right foot as I just told you is dog shit so 
I, my left foot's good. So I do that with my left foot. And, so, and what I do, if I'm feeling it on the night, I do it with the right foot. And I have a drop clutch. And if I'm not feeling it, because it's a hi-hat on the left hand. Okay. And if I'm not feeling it, I flick. So it's like the open-handed. Yeah. I flick the drop clutch and I mm. play it with my left foot. Every time I do that, everyone's like, oh, man, that was fucking sick. Switching to your left foot. The reality is I was fucking blowing it with my right foot. Yeah. I sucked. So I, like, changed it. And then you thought it was cooler or, like, somehow more impressive. But actually, I couldn't play a fucking basic drum beat. I don't know why. I couldn't tell you fucking why. Just yeah. had to change it. Yeah. And that's, that's the, the thing that I guess I struggle with is, like, when I record the parts in the studio, I record them the way that we write them. So like if it's a part that's supposed to be 16th note triplets on double bass, I don't do the floor time part. I will warm up and I will get it right and I'll do it on the double bass. But then I know in my mind that I even have to tell the guys in the band, guys, just so you know, like when we play this song live, I'm not going to play it this way every night because consistently I will fuck it up you know, yeah. this way. And I just, I'm at a point now where, you know, as we're, as we're starting to write a new record and I'm, there's certain parts that we're already writing that have this sort of intensity to it. Like these, these, these notes that could be done with a floor time and kick. I'm thinking, you know what, maybe like, maybe I'm just going to say fuck it and record it this way. You know, I like, I'll just convince the band you know, I'll just. I think you should. I think it would sound more interesting anyway. It well, but you could. I guess yes. I think it sounds interesting because there's a new texture to it. But I also, in the back of my mind, think about the people that are out there, like, oh, how come he did it that way? I bet he can't play it on double bass. And I, I don't think those people exist. I think guitarists think that. Who gives a fuck what they think? I don't think. A, I don't think there's a drummer out there. I think you get. You get people who play double bass who are envious of people who aren't good at double bass and they're good at something else and you get fucking vice versa. And mm. then you get guitarists who just want one kick drum per guitar for the whole fucking thing. Right. Has to be here. Has to be there. Has to be double kick. I think you're like beating yourself up about that too much. Drummers will go, oh, that's sick. And they'll also probably go, ah, oh, that's fucking clever. I bet I could probably do that. Like, as in if I fucking practiced it, and at the end of the day, you're, like, maybe teaching someone else. I'm getting fucking philosophical here. Teaching someone else who has the same issue, like, oh, shit, I could probably do that. Yeah. Because I, ha I struggle on those sections. I watched Blake from BT Bam's stream the other day, and he did something real similar, what you're talking about, floor tom shit. And I was watching, and I was like, that sounds like double bass. I could do that. Exactly what I'm just talking about. And then I went and practiced it, and now I'm thinking... If, if something comes up like that, I've got that at my fucking disposal. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, I am, I do beat myself up about that because I think there's this like integrity to it of like, Oh, like you wrote a double bass, you should play it double bass, but maybe I just shouldn't write it double bass. I don't know. And, and you know, it's, it's funny. It's always the other guys in the band don't really care that much about this stuff especially live like i don't think they even notice you know um I, but i certainly get self-conscious about it thinking that like they hear the difference between what was recorded and what i'm playing and they think lesser of me which i know in reality they don't but part of it is because of 
I think the aspects of our history where like me and Misha would debate over certain parts and we would debate over these things and he'd be like, well, you know, being a guitar player, like it sounds so sick with double bass, you know, why don't we record the album this way and then you can play it live however you want. And I'm like, okay, Every fine. Every fucking guitarist and producer ever, Will Putney, exactly the fucking same. All right, let's just do it for this with a record. Yeah. Fuck off. Let me play what I want to fucking play. At the end of the day, maybe they're right because they're the fucking producers, but I feel your fucking pain there. I guess the argument is the album is the, the uh, you know, it's like, it's the recording of a, of, of a moment in time that's going to live there forever and it should be done. It, 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 there should be a decisive, you know, or I should say a decision made as to... Uh, what is going to live there forever. So I'm okay to debate it at that point. Um, but I don't know if it's better or worse either way. I think it'll st- again, the notes that need to be there are still there either way. It's just a matter of, do they all sound exactly the same or is there one out of every three notes that has a different tone to it? And does that really fucking matter? I don't know. Maybe it does. I, I can tell you this. It does not matter. And I can hear... I love Misha to death. I can hear from the way you're talking. is just... You have just had that forever from him. Because he's a guitarist producer. Uh, I guarantee you, no fucker in the crowd is going... Oh, he probably did that because he couldn't do a double bass. They're probably going, Oh, I see what he did there. That's fucking sick. Hmm. That's what I'd do. And you know what? It was... It, it, it would be tighter than you doing the double bass. If you're admitting you're not comfortable at it on every evening, which is the same with fucking me, it's going to be, you're playing consistently something else. No one gives a fuck. Yeah. For me, yeah, that's the point. For me, it's way tighter and it will make the band sound better in in the live room doing it that way than it will with the double bass part. And that's only because it's just, it's a gamble on certain nights, certain nights, exactly. I'm, I know I'm going to nail it. And you know, that the video of me playing church burner that's out there from, from tour, you know, Randy, who does our, our who did our video on that tour and comes out with us all the time. Um, love Randy, love Randy to death. You know, he filmed that a couple nights in a row. And of course we picked the one where, you know, I felt the most confident about the parts. And even if you, if you watch that take, you know, what's funny is if you watch that performance in like the, what, what I guess I would call like the solo call and response section, yeah. I actually have a fuck up with my hands where I, like the stick kind of flies out of my hand and I have to catch it in the middle of a fill. I sacrificed that for the feet. For the feet. Whereas in the other take, the feet weren't as good, but I nailed the solo section. I'd rather have a very, very visible fuck up with my hands because I just know, I don't, like, I don't give a fuck. Normally they're great. That's one out of every a thousand I fuck up, that kind of thing. Whereas with the feet, it's like, like I said, maybe one out of every 10, I'm perfect. And So you want that one moment in time, you want to remember that one. Yeah. In those videos that you literally commented on today, and one of the other ones, it's got a horrible 155 complex double bass section, and it has like one of those unison double bass fills with the snare, the Gojira things going into it. 
and I fucking nailed it on the take that's going to be on YouTube. I nailed it. The whole, the whole hard section with the feet. Then the last chorus, completely biffed the fill. It's the wrong fill. I miss the crashes, but the, the, the second take is literally exactly the same thing. The second fucking take, the feet weren't as good and everything else was fine. I'm right. not having that. I right. want the fuck up. And I look at the camera when I fuck up the film and I just go. Because I was happy with my performance on the bit that's usually a nightmare. Isn't that, a, isn't that such a fucked up thing? It's so weird. There's so, it, it, yeah. It's, uh, it's so interesting the things that we beat ourselves up about overall. Because... Yeah, I, 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 that's exactly what it is. And I, I, I'm in my head almost every single night on stage just in those sections. Like I really do practice. I try to practice what I preach of like being in the moment and enjoying it and, and, and you know, being grateful that I have the opportunity. But when it comes to those parts, there's a little tinge of, of like self-doubt or self-fuck you that's like, yeah. oh, yeah, so you had to do it that way, huh? Like, couldn't do it, couldn't do it the real way that you're supposed to do it, could you, pussy? It's like, no, I just didn't feel confident. And, you know, it's not a, it doesn't last. Like, it's there and I get the self-doubt and then it's out the door a second later and I, I really don't give a shit. And I've, especially as I get older, you know, I don't, I really don't care much anymore. But it's still a ghost that I have to, that I have to deal with. Yeah. It's still it's a, still subconsciously there even if it only veers for like a second it's for me personally if that song is song six i am not comfortable a hundred percent in the set until song seven even if i fuck right. it up right like, because I, you know, I, I can be having right. a good time but yeah because there's a, there's always those little parts in you know throughout the set that you have to worry about it's like out of a hundred positive comments there's three negative ones and those are the ones that are heavier than the 97 positive comments that yeah. you get on a video or on whatever yeah. you post. It's like, why is the negative always so much heavier? And it's the, it's, it's the same shit that I deal with on the drums. And, you know, I'll even – I can think back to moments where, like, me and Misha are, are jamming on stage together. And there will be one of those parts that I play and he's right in front of me. And we're having fun. But in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, is he watching me? Like, and, and secretly in his head being like, oh, he did it again. Didn't do it right. Or didn't do it the way he was supposed to. And no, he's not at all. Like, that's not even he's in his trajectory. <laughs> he's thinking about his own parts and just having fun. You know, I've asked him about that before. And he's like, dude, I don't care. Play it however the fuck you want. I thought it was sick. I love how you do that. But I'm still, no matter how many fucking times I hear that from these guys, it's like, I just beat myself up about it. So... I don't know. It just is what it is. And I just, I always get so, uh, I don't know if anxious is the word because I've gotten better at it, but like there's a level of anxiety right now as, a, as we're writing this new material where I'm thinking about how I'm going to approach this in the studio and how I'm going to approach it live in this context that we're discussing. You know, I know I'll be able to nail these songs, but in what way? And, and using what, what techniques and what methods to, to make it, you know, to make it happen. So what about this? This is what I've always done when I needed, when I need to like change a part cause it's fucking difficult. 
just buy a bit of extra gear. Why don't you get a gong drum that sounds exactly like your kick drum? I do. do on that. I have one. Oh, you do? Oh, sick. Yeah, I had, I had Pearl with the, uh, with the Masterworks kit I have. I had them make me a... It's oh, I've a, seen it. Yeah, in the, in the yeah. car video. In the, yeah, in the yeah, car yeah. video I did. So that's a bass drum with, with floor tom legs attached to it. In, innovator. Yeah, just fucking use that. That's way cooler. Yeah, I could. It's just figuring out where to place it. Like, do I have that on my left side? Or, you know, do I have it as my... Instead of an 18 and a 16, I do a 16 and the 20-inch fucking bass that, drum. Yeah. That's what you should do. Or sky it to the right like a fucking... Like a war drum. Then you could do some cool shit. <laughs> yeah, those things are fucking hard to... They're like those big gong drums are hard to now reach. Now it's getting like Sepultura. You should fucking get some roots going on. But you know how you know how sick I am in the head is that like I literally think about how, okay, I have this drum that is there to accommodate exactly what we're talking about. But then I think about whenever I hit it, it's still not going to sound like a bass drum because my wooden small tip drumstick doesn't have the same attack as a bass drum beater. And that literally makes me think that it still doesn't accomplish what I want it to accomplish. I think it, I I'm hate sh- I'm sure it does. kick sounds anyway. Like, I, li- I mean, I like it, but like, so like if bleed on record was triggered, I mean, sure, there's samples in there or whatever. I would hate the way it sounded. But because it's... There's the fucking texture in the notes because he's going... I actually like it. Right. Whereas, so, like, whereas, like, if you triggered Bleed, which I think he does live, but... Yeah, I think he does. On, on record, it would sound horrible. Digitized, fucking no variation weirdness but you know talk about a dude who uh who is older than us respectfully um who can still accomplish these performances live like that dude is 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 on a whole different yeah he's on a whole different level and i remember (laughs) i haven't had a chance to talk to him about this ever and I, it's always something I've wanted to bring up, but then I also feel like it's the gauchest fucking question that he gets all the time. But I would love to know what he specifically did to really, like, because he talks about, I think he's talked about, it took him months to be able to nail that song, right, before he recorded it in the studio and then now I can play it live. So what did, what were, specifically, I want to know what he was working on, what he changed about his playing that made him capable of being able to perform that bitch of a fucking song every night because there's not a shot in hell that I could do that. It's eight minutes long and it doesn't give up. Well, that's what I'm saying. So is he, I, I wonder if he's at a point where he's been able to harness mentally the confidence to be able to do it despite the doubts that we're talking about right now or if he literally just drilled it so much that it's completely... Just second nature muscle memory, and he doesn't even have to think about it. I don't, I don't know what it is, but I'd be curious to know what his regimen was specifically. And maybe this is out there. Maybe he has talked about it, and I just haven't read it. But I think I have a similar thought with that song, which is like maybe learning that song is what I need to do. Right, is like to just because I've never done it. 
and everyone's always on like Twitch, like play bleed, and I've never fucking done it. And maybe that would fucking unlock something, like whatever. <laughs> it sounds like it sounds like he's been through an ordeal, but like to go through what he went through, <laughs> walk a day in his fucking eight minute the the the, the hurter shoes, and just fucking see. And maybe I would figure out like, oh, I'm doing this with my body and it's fucking shit but he definitely has his own problems because he's talked about that before shoulder right he triggers that song because you know he he can't keep the intensity for eight minutes because no fucking human on earth can with just microphones for eight minutes um so i just think he i think he probably has a lot of these but i think he's a never talked about them and b probably won't and c probably doesn't fucking care right Right. I, it's just the thing is, though, with all of that said, I have never heard him make a mistake. No, nah, me neither. I've never heard it. And like he would probably argue because he is such a nice, humble dude. He'd be like, oh, you have no idea. I fuck up every night. But it's like, really? Where? Like, where Where do you fuck up every it's, night? It, it's crazy. You know, like I've never I've never heard it. So but you know what? Like. Maybe that is the reality of, for a lot of us, it's like we hear these things that, that bother us more than, than anything else, but most people would have no idea what those insecurities are. Even if we do make a mistake, it sounds maybe like it's intentional or it's supposed to be there. I don't know. I think streaming has helped me so much for that because I'll go... I'll probably stream drums three times a week now for like two hours and I will have a bad day and I will hate the whole thing. My hip, my fucking, my neck, my back, my pussy, my crack, everything feels fucking wrong. And then I go home. I'm in a fucking bad mood. I like, I fucking blew it in front of everyone, blah, blah, blah. And then I go through the VOD just to check if I've got anything for Instagram. And every single time I go, oh, it wasn't that bad. Every time. But in the moment yeah. when you're in that fucking almost like inception level of fractal thinking every millisecond, you hear fucking the, like the space between zero and one is infinite. You are in the fucking infinite. And you hear every single fluctuation and you hear it back in context when you fucking sat on it or whatever, which you don't always get to do on tour. And you go, oh, wasn't that bad right yeah that always happens but you know what's funny that's that's been probably my aside from like aside from committing to doing the streams on a consistent basis the the other thing that has deterred me from getting into it has been exactly what you just what what you described because when i am on my kit and when i'm practicing and i'm working on parts i fuck up all the time i make mistakes all the time and I reset and I, you know, I stop what I'm doing and I do it again. And that's been like, do, you know, th for me, it's like, do I want to consistently expose people to that? Do I want to demystify, you know, my, myself that much to where there is no veil and it shows people how much I actually suck, you know, on a daily basis on the kit. Let me tell you this about that. I can only talk in my own experience. I did that when I started Twitch. And I do it every week on Twitch still. I fuck up constantly. Number one, people fucking love it. 
people message me like, and it's kind of a backhanded compliment, but I don't take it as a backhanded compliment. Like, oh, it's nice to see you fuck up. It's nice to know that you're not a fucking machine. It's nice to see you playing a little bit bad or something, which is, you know, is fine. But then also, my fucking, this is going to sound like this is why I'm doing it, but it's not. But my, like, quote unquote fan base is in the last, it, it directly attributed to streaming is fucking through the roof. Like, the amount of people now who, like, I got something, and it's going to sound really bad because it's not why I'm doing it, but I, I have this out. Like, you guys should check it out. There's immediately. A thousand fucking cool motherfuckers in my Discord that want to check it out. And even through that, it's like crazy shit. Like, I want something 3D printed. I just hit up the Discord. I'm like, yo, I need the, I want a 3D printer. And some guy's just like, hey, I am. What do you need? It's like, I need this thing for my coffee machine. I'll give you some money. Yeah. Like, the community that I built, that's what I'm trying to say without sounding fucking yeah. fans. The community that's been built, and I think it's 100% attributed to me fucking up and being like guys I'm fucking blowing it today but we're here together like has been crazy I've never known anything like it it's been sick that's that's a beautiful part of it for sure I uh I've been drawn to the idea a bunch I just I even I even know how much I practice during the week and like it's not I feel like it's not enough to then incorporate you know that commitment to to then you know, open it up to people to see like it's, it's so sporadic with my schedule and it's so sometimes long, sometimes short. I just don't know if I would commit to it. And I, I really, I, I have thought about it a lot, but you know, I don't know if it's, if it's for me. And I think also like you, your personality lends itself really nicely to that. I think I, I feel like you're, you're, uh, you have the comedian thing, and I mean that in a good way. I, I love it. I, no, like, I like, wish like, I was a comedian. Well, but <laughs> More you, than you a drama. Yeah, you, you have that sort of, uh, I don't know what the word is, I guess resilience to certain aspects of like what you might encounter in these moments to actually be opinionated about it and outspoken about it and approach it in a way that like doesn't piss people off. I, I, I don't think I've ever presented myself that way. And that's not part of like my characteristics or my abilities. So like, I don't know if it's, I, I don't, I don't know how I would fit into that space in that way. You know? I mean, it's not, it's not all funny. No, all I know funniness. it's not. I know it's not. I mean, a lot of the time I'm genuinely annoyed at these people. <laughs> I, just, I know what you mean. I like, I came out the gate with like, if you're a dickhead, I'm going to call you a dickhead. Like, right, right. Matt Halpern suddenly roasting people like fans is not going to, is not great press. And there's times, man, like even on comments that I see now, like where I want, I would like, there's so many things that I wish I could just light people up on, but I it's not, it. it's not worth it. And it's like, I talk myself out of it because I don't know, like, I don't really have a good reason other than like, I don't want to deal with the drama of it. So just I, avoid I think, it. I think this is going to sound, <laughs> this is going to get real dark real quick. I think nearly killing myself and then COVID just something flipped in my head. And now I'm just like, I think this, here it is. 
I just don't go. I don't want to go down that fucking dark conversation. But just now, I just don't give a fuck. The COVID thing, maybe I gave a fuck at the start because I was like, oh, if I don't have the band, I don't have anything. And now I'm just like, who gives a fuck? Nothing's fucking real. Yeah. Yeah, I, that's the thing. I, I I find myself being envious of people who just kind of say whatever they're thinking online for everybody to see. And I I certainly do have my opinions about all sorts of different topics. I just I choose not to voice everything and I choose to just kind of stay within the boundaries that I've set for myself that's like okay to 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 live within and and then I really don't venture in outside of that even though maybe it's a disservice i don't know um i don't know it's probably probably business wise like it's probably the best thing to do maybe so i think the furthest i've gone and maybe i don't know if you saw this do you do you maybe i remember you exactly i remember exactly what it is i know exactly what you're about to tell me are you gonna say his name no what, well what are you gonna say i'm not gonna say it because i don't want to say his name did i say something publicly though was it something that i did yeah, I'm pretty sure you replied to someone who we both know who replied something on one of your videos. I can't even remember what you actually said, but you fucking roasted him. I don't see this. I don't even remember. But oh, I'll just tell you after this. Yeah, tell me offline because I, I don't remember what this is. But uh, no, I was going to say like, I don't know if you saw it, but I got, I, I was sent this message on Instagram that was, it was like, I like your playing, but your band sucks. But at the same time, it's really important. But I like balloons. And it was like, it was. I'm going to shoot up a school. That's what I read when I, when I hear that. Yeah. That's how I read that. It was so batshit crazy that I retweeted it. I, I took a screenshot. I blacked out the dude's name and I retweeted it. And that's the most I've ever done in that regard. And I felt bad about that. I literally, dude, I literally felt bad. I was like, oh man, like I feel bad if the, if the dude who sent me this reads it, he's going to think I'm making fun of him, And like, I'm not trying to make fun of him, but this is too good not to share, you know, at the same time. And it's like, I'm not trying to hurt anybody, but it's like, if you're going to send this to me. <laughs> exactly. Hey, let me tell you this. You're, you, you beat yourself up about that. Go and check after this. I've done that three times today on my Instagram story. And one of the times I didn't even black the kid's name out. <laughs> but it was like, this, this is what happened. Someone said, oh, just a bit of advice about your YouTube videos, right? If you don't know, I've been doing this thing on Twitch where I do the reaction video thing, but I am just insane. It's like a bit. I'm doing a bit. I say something and then I predict what the comment would be from a commenter. And then I do an insane voice pretending to be the commenter and I pause every fucking 10 seconds. Like it's supposed to be uncomfortable and not a real reaction. Right. The amount of people that message me, like the one today, hey man, just a bit of advice for your YouTube channel. You should probably cut out, limit to maybe 10 to 15, this was the actual message, 10 to 15 seconds of the, the troll voice per episode. It really slows things down. Also, try and not pause so much or whatever, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, love the content, love the streams, love the videos. And then I just retweeted, I, know, I replied, and then I took a screenshot of the whole conversation. I replied, I didn't black them out. I replied and I said, okay, so let me get this straight. You love the content, please change everything about it. Got it. And then I took a photo of that and I, I posted that. But I checked first. 
no profile picture, no posts, private account. And it was called like fitness girl or something. Then I posted that and then I had some other kid come in and be like, hey, that was just her, her, assuming that it's definitely a girl, which it definitely isn't. That was just her respectful opinion. Seems kind of shitty and like you're full of yourself to uh, to dox her like that. As if I'd like given out her fucking address or right, something. Right, right. So then naturally I replied to that kid and then reshared it. But then I forgot to actually black his stuff out. So I just fucking shared it. Uh, that happened ow- hours ago, Matt. Everybody, everybody, if, if they want to find a reason to be upset about something or pissed off about something, they're going to find it. And I think there's a culture around that right now that is really bad. You know, it's it's really bad to be so ready to be upset and pissed off by any little thing and then publicly voice it and rile other people up. People are not, most people are not like mentally prepared to handle that shit. And it's so fucking detrimental. It's so bad. And you know, this is part of the reason why I don't say shit like this publicly or like what we're talking about, because I don't want someone to, to get mad and spread the negativity that really doesn't need to be there in the first place. It's everyone's fucking bored. Yeah. You wait, like, I'm bored. I wake up, and if I'm feeling it, I'll reply to a YouTube comment just to start a little. For like, if it's a shitty comment, I'll be like, no, this is what I think of your shitty comment. And it gives me a little bit of sport. But people are doing that who don't have it at their fingertips. I've got a fucking plethora of shitty comments I could dip into to have an argument if I want. Some people don't have that, so they go looking for it. Right. Because they're fucking bored. Right. Yeah, it's. Yeah. I don't know. I who the fuck knows anything? I I don't care. Let's fucking move it. Let's move it. Yeah. Let's change. All right. So what else we got? I want to. I want to know about your fucking snare drum. Uh. Okay. What do you want to know about it? I want to know why. I want to know what. I want to know how. <laughs> I want. <laughs> okay. This is what I want to know. I want to know how many prototypes. And I want to know, did you pitch it to Pearl? Did Pearl pitch it to you? I pitched it to Pearl before I even signed on with them. So part of, part of the uh, negotiations, for lack of a better word, for how we yeah. would work together, you know, I, I basically, I was, look, I was extremely lucky when I was with Mapex to be able to develop a signature snare drum there. And it, it's a great snare. I still have the original version. I have the, the production version here at my house. Like I, That snare drum's great. I've used it, and I probably will use it again on certain recordings and certain things. It's a great snare. So I, I want to be clear, like... You know, I've seen people comment like, oh, like, does this mean you're fucking shitting all over Mapex now and your previous snare drum? No, not at all. I'm really proud of that. I'm really proud of that. It was, a, and I, you know, I stand by everything I ever said about it. But when I went to Pearl, I was like, look, I don't want to lose what I was able to build there. And since having all this experience and time with that drum, I've thought about ways that I could improve upon it. And if given the opportunity to, to, to create a new snare drum, 
here's what I would like to do. You know, here's X, Y, and Z. And I gave them a whole pitch. Um, and the pitch involved essentially the drum that it is now, but some other things too that, that I have ideas for and that I'd like to do and maybe will come to fruition, maybe won't, I don't know. But uh, anyway, when I signed on with them, it was under the pretense that we were gonna do a signature snare drum and we were gonna start working on it pretty much from day one. And that was something that was ran up the chain even before I signed on with them. You know, it was like, okay, bring it on Matt. We're going to do a signature snare in the next however long. So we started working on it pretty much right away. And we got one initial sort of prototype done just to get like, to get it visually out there. And, uh, and kind of kick around some ideas, and then we got another one. And, and long story what short, changed? what changed? What well, changed in the prototypes? Okay, okay, so let him get to that, Craig. You fucking idiot. Long story short, is it was supposed to be released at Nam last year. Okay, it was supposed to come out a year ago. Twenty twenty. Twenty twenty at cursed. Nam. The cursed right, year. Right, right before, right before the shit hit the fan. This drum was supposed to debut and come out then. It was not the drum that that just got released when, and part of it was because there was a, uh, with my schedule and with Pearl's schedule and everything that they were doing, we didn't really have enough time to tweak every little aspect of it. And because of the release date at NAM, we, we kind of threw up a Hail Mary with certain aspects of the drum and we're like, all right, let's, let's just give this a go. Here's the things we want. Let's give it a try. We'll see a model of it right before NAM, and we'll either make a decision to launch it or we'll make a decision not to, right then and there. Yeah. And when I saw the design of the drum, it it was just no, absolutely not. So so it was it was uh, they probably I don't even know if they want me talking about this, but you know it was a black powder coated shell, but those yellow gaskets were not necessarily gaskets that fit on the drum. They were like they looked like fucking hoop gauges in someone's oh. ear and it so looked they were big they were huge and they were the wrong colors and it was just like whoever it, it was like there was a game of telephone you know where like i explained this to my a r guy who totally got it and he explained it to somebody who misconstrued a small piece and then it got related to somebody else and it just got out of hand this is me designing fucking merch <clears throat> so there you go. Get the final so, thing back. I'm like, oh, it's shit. Thank you. Right. So when I got it, I was like, look, guys, I'm sorry. Like, I can't stand behind this. My A&R guy, John, was like, yeah, dude. Like, I don't want to stand behind this either. This is not what we want. This is not what you want. Let's Side just... Side note. Love that guy. John Farquhar. He used to, used to work at Tama. Yeah, he's Fark's great. Tama. He's great. So he was super cool about it. And we were like, all right, let's just put it on ice. Like, let's get this right. You know, I was I was just like, look, I don't need this right now. We don't have to do this right now. I can't even go to Nam. Like, I have tour coming up, and I won't even be there to launch it. All the cards were just, it was a bad hand. Uh, so we're like, all right, fuck it, scrap it. But that was great because it gave us uh, a finished example of what we didn't want to do, and then we just kind of tweaked it down from there. So from there, we were really able to hone it in, and that's when we sort of hit a good rhythm with it of like, all right, let's, let's look at every aspect of this piece of shit that was created and let's turn it into a, you know, a piece of gold, hopefully. So was the shell the same? Like the shell, and everything? the shell was Did the same. Did it sound good? 
It sounded good. Yeah, it was just a, it was completely different aesthetically, right? And I and I don't think we had like we hadn't fully nailed because there wasn't time to because it was mainly about the design. We hadn't really tweaked like what strainer is going to be on there, which lugs we're going to use a hundred percent. You know, I had mentioned the, the things that I knew needed to be there were like needs to be brass, needs to be thicker than my previous drum. Uh, needs to have premium hardware, needs to have die cast hoops, and it needs to have this Evans head that I was working on with them as well. Um, but the little accents and the little tweaks were things that were not decided on. Like we weren't sure if it was going to be all black hardware, even like the 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 screws for the lugs, like for for the tension rods. We didn't they because they're silver, they're chrome now. Um, they're not blacked out. So we were like, should they be black? Should they be this color? Can we do different color gaskets? If we do this kind of um, uh, lug, like we were talking about using the, the other pearl lugs on the drum, can we put gaskets behind those that are also yellow? And then we found like the drum would be way too, have way too many yellow accents. It wasn't classy. It looks <sighs> fucking amazing, by the way. It Thank is you. so hot. That's <clears throat> Thank a hot you, drum. I appreciate it. Thank you. We put a lot of effort into trying to get it there, you know, all the way up until like three months ago, like three months ago, I was like, guys, unfortunately the strainer that's on here is not the right strainer. We, we can't do this. Like we got, like this strainer is like the, the, you know, bottom level piece of hardware that, that they offer on their, like, you know, intro level drums. I was like, this drum is premium in every other way. We need a more premium strainer on here. And the re- you have to understand, it's not like they were trying to cheap out on it, but when you're making a drum like this, we all had the end price in mind of what it was gonna cost people. And there was one iteration of this drum that would've, if, it had, if we had released it this way, it would've cost people $1,200, which is a no-go. It, like, it's, it's, it is not a viable, snare drum at that price in my opinion for the audience that would buy this drum like that is way too expensive so we had to really tweak the premium aspects and take you know figure out where we could where we could make concessions in that way but but not sacrifices if that makes sense and it yeah, dude i gotta say too like it people may not know this but and again i don't know if i don't know if i'm allowed to share this but everybody between myself and Pearl um, decided to take a hit on on the profitability, on the margins, to make this an affordable drum. Everybody, including myself. Because there were features that, that are on, there are features on the drum that really should be more expensive, but by, but by lowering our profit margins on it, and allowing for it to it to cost a little bit more in you know in contrast, we were able to get that street price that, that it I is now. I was thinking that when you were just saying like, I was just thinking, what the fuck have you cut on? Like, because you haven't cut on the hoops. The hoops is the big fucker. Like, I was li- I was looking at your snare drum. Let me just change headphones quickly. Yeah. <clears throat> I was looking at your drum on stream yesterday. Actually, on Twitch, we were doing a brass snare drum like get all the good brass snare drums and just have a look at them and see what the prices are and what all the, all the shit is and uh, it was 
I can't think of something that wasn't premium. It's powder coated, which definitely adds cost. <clears throat> it's got powder coated diecast hoops. Diecast hoops, fucking right? expensive. It's it's a relatively. I mean, it's not a fucking three millimeter brass, but it's a one point five millimeter brass shell. Did you um, try and make it three? And that was way too expensive. Uh, I wanted to, but that was under the pretense that like maybe we would do a premium version at some point, like a limited edition run. I knew that would be too expensive, so that wasn't something that like I knew was realistic. You know, I love the fact it's not one point two. Like a one point two brass is like fine, but the minute you go one point five two three, that's yeah. when they're really fucking kicking. Right, and I, I've got a five it, bell brass. Yeah, and that like, I've got the three millimeter tamabel brass is the best fucking snare on planet earth yeah in my it's opinion. fantastic i have a five millimeter the vk vk right yeah i prefer the three and then i have an slp black brass which i guess is probably the biggest competition from tama for your drum but it doesn't have fucking die cast and the strain is not nice right and that's the thing i mean there's so sorry many- tama if you're listening <laughs> That's that's the but thing. But it's cheaper. Yeah. It's cheaper. That's what I'm saying. It, it doesn't it doesn't have those, but it's cheaper. Right, and that's that was the thing. Like we had we not taken the or, or made the sacrifices that we did, it probably would be two or three hundred dollars more expensive on the street than it is now. But we all felt like it was worth it to do that, so that you know more people could afford it, more people could buy it, and it would make up for it in volume as opposed to you know, less people being able to, to get their hands on it, you know? So I, w- I was, and that, that's part of why I was really stoked with the whole process because from day one, Pearl was down to do that, to make a premium drum that would also be really attainable for people, affordable for people. Um, so, it, I mean, it truly is a premium drum. Uh, there, it, you know, if I had been able to, there's other things I would have done to it. Like, I don't know if you've seen the strainer on the Pearl Reference Brass. It's like, yeah. I mean, a fucking, it's an, it's the best strainer the, out there. Yeah. Two sides, it's got locks the on flick, it. The flick on it, like, yeah. it really just feels fucking solid. Of course, and look, of course, I would have loved to have that on this drum. But it would have, again, it would have priced it way out of range to where even if we had made concessions, it wouldn't have worked. And it, it wouldn't. It would have just been like a, an extra premium uh, not, thing, yeah. Like right? fucking, it's, it's getting, an amenity. It's an amenity, yeah. right? It doesn't. It doesn't necessarily make it uh, better than it is now, you know, in terms of what it sounds like in the functionality. Because the strainer that's on there is great. So yeah, it's getting suede instead of leather in your car. It's like it's a different kind of sick. Right, right. That's exactly right. So that's the process, and it's just a lot of back and forth and. We finally got it to a point where um, everybody was really happy and we could all agree on the pricing and we could all agree that, you know, here it is. And I'm, I was, re- I'm really happy with, with the result. And then the response has been amazing. Like I didn't, I never know what to fucking expect, you know, especially that because- It looks so good. Especially because I had a previous signature snare that I thought looked awesome, that people got to know and love that, you know, a lot of people were able to purchase and use and- 
it was like, oh shit, like I hope, I hope people don't look at this and be like, oh, it's just like version two of that, which I've seen the comments. Of course, there's a couple people out there that are, that are saying that, but it's totally not that at all. But also, like, of course it's gonna bear some similarities. It's well, a fucking signature drum. It's what you want from a fucking drum. Right, right. It's just a, it's, it's, again, it's like, it was what I wanted to improve upon and then some. You know, yeah. like that was the idea. So, uh, but yeah, I'm really happy with it, man. It sounds awesome. I'm excited for people to get their hands on it and use it themselves. And it's, again, it's at a price point where like, you know, it, if I could make it half the price that it is now, of course that would be way even, you know, that much better, but it wouldn't be anywhere near as good of a drum in that sense. I mean, this drum is going to, it's a premium fucking snare drum that is in, it, in relation to that, relatively extremely affordable. I think the only other thing in the bracket, same bracket with not a 1.2. The S yeah, the SLP bra Black Brass is a 1.5 as well, but it doesn't look as nice. And I use one in America, I fucking love it, but I bought die-cast hoops to put on it. And most people that buy a drum don't want to fucking do that, and it's fucking expensive to do that. Yeah. Um, and then you've got like... Tama does a John Tempesta signature, but that's fucking expensive. That that drum rips, but it's fucking expensive and it looks horrendous. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like a fucking NASCAR, um, but it sounds incredible. But again, slightly more expensive. Is it is your one a fourteen by six, a fourteen by fourteen by six? six. 14 by 6, which yeah. the Wraith was as well. The Wraith was as well. I mean, that's I love the sound of a 14 by 6, but there wasn't a 14 by 6 snare drum in the Pearl line of snare drums. So, really? Yeah. It's, it's, I'm pretty sure it's the only one. <clears throat> so in that sense, it was, you know, you have to look at all that stuff too. You know, like I, when I, when I was designing this with Pearl, it can, of course, uh, it, you know, it's based off my preferences, but at the same time, I also have to look at their current line of drums and not cannibalize their offering right now. Like I can't make a drum that's the same as somebody else's signature snare, exactly. you know? So I had to look at that and be like, you know, that was one of the things we got lucky with, you know? Um, and at one point, because they do have other brass drums, we were considering copper. So I have a version of it here at my, at my house. It's a copper version, but I don't like the sound as much. It's thinner. I, it, it's, it's I just got a copper, a Tama copper. So I did the reverse. I did a different thing to you. So you made your drum match your car, correct? I did, yes. So I made my coffee grinder match my snare drum. There you so go. I got, I, I got a Tama copper Starphonic which I love, fucking amazing. But 14 by seven, which is fucking sick. And then I was buying a new coffee grinder and it came in aged copper and it matches my snare drum exactly. And I was like, fuck it, I've got to do it. I have to fucking do it. That's awesome. Yeah, I, it's fun to do like those little things like that. Uh, they, didn't, they didn't use that footage in the video that we put out, but I, I talk about how I've always loved the, the contrast between like the black color, like the, the matte black and like the yellow yeah, brake so brake calipers they're really cool and it ha it just happened to work with the gold accents in the two blocks so it's it's you know it's really there's four colors on that drum there's chrome there's um the the powder coated black there's the yellow gaskets and then there's uh the gold 
the gold uh, pieces, like the, the inserts in, in the uh, tube lugs. So it's, it's got nice little, nice little, like a car, like different fucking little bits that are peeking out from wherever. Yeah. What uh, you said about... Sorry, no, I, go ahead. I was going to say, I'm excited about it. It's, it's, I'm happy with it. What you said about that, it, making sure it has to fit their lineup. So I don't know if I can talk about this, but I'm going to talk about it. Even though you're definitely listening, so I'm sorry. Please don't take back what you said. So I'm talking about, I'm talking to Minel about maybe not even for like public release or whatever, um, about doing a symbol. And they were like, do you want to do this symbol? Do you want to do one of these symbols? And, you know, if it works, then maybe we can look like kind of, you know, like the stacks, the fucking thing that you're doing. Yeah. Um, and I was like, okay, well, uh, I would like it to be this size because currently you you have an option that I use and love at this size. And they said, unfortunately, we don't have the machinery to make that possible right now. Do you want it in this size? And I had to just be like, I'm really sorry, but you already make one, which is sick, that I use at that size. It would be pointless. Right. Like, you make a great product already. I'm still going to use that product. Maybe let's revisit this if you have the machinery to make what I want to do. And that's like, because I don't want, if it did go to sell to other people, I don't want it to just be a fucking, the same symbol with my logo on it. Right. Like it's, it's, that doesn't help anyone. It's, it defrauds the fucking consumer. And at the same time, it doesn't solve any problems. Yeah. It, well, and it cannibalizes whatever other product is out there, right? Exactly. I, dude, I, I literally had that same conversation with Chris over at Meinl today. Um, in that, in those videos I, I put out, I'm using uh, a, an R&D ride symbol that I had them make me a couple different versions of. Just again for myself, because when we're, we're lucky enough to be able to play a bunch of different, to try out a bunch of different symbols, and you start to see like, okay, well this, you know, this one ride has a lot of what I want, but <clears throat> it's missing this, and this one other ride has a lot of what I want, but it's missing this. Hey, if I could make one that's like you know, the perfect combination of those two, I will. So I reached out, I was like, Hey, can you make me this? They made me a bunch of these R and D ones to try out. One of the R and D ones I landed on was like, this is the shit. I fucking love this ride. This is my, this is going to be my ride symbol, whether it's a public, whether it's something yeah. that actually gets released or not. My call with, with Chris today was just like, Hey dude, like I love this thing. Can you please make sure that like, you guys can make me a number of these so that I have stock of them. Yeah, regardless and of regardless, to to other people. Totally. And then we we ended up talking about like, well, he was asking questions like, well, does it actually does it make sense in any of the lines? I thought you were gonna say gent for some reason. No. Does it does but it Matt, does it gent? Yeah. No, he was just like, does it does it does it actually fit into any of the the lines of symbols that we have? Does it fill a space or a void? That isn't there. And that's always... I want to know more. Can you tell me? Tell me what it is. Tell me the size. Tell me the shit. No one's going to steal it. Oh, no, on. I mean, it's a 21-inch it's a crash ride that, Perfect. that decays relatively quickly uh, and also at the same time has a bell that cuts. Well, where does it sit with a polyphonic, though? Because the polyphonic, to me, is the fucking... Is that... I haven't used it, so I don't. I can't answer that question. Okay, you need to get sent one of those. Okay, because it fucking, especially if you're like, 
trying to make. Is there a 21? It's a 21. I use it. It's all I use in Stray because all I use is the crash and the bell. Let me see. Yeah, I haven't used this. But, but I a, will say this is like I could use the bell a little bit more belly. But let me ask you this: What's the decay like? Is it is it pretty washy and loud? Uh, yeah, it's pretty loud. And that was the thing that I was trying to do, or, or that I was trying to uh, to accomplish, which is to to have a, a crash ride that decays a lot quicker than most of the ones that I've used because of cymbal bleed in a live yeah. setting. And that was the goal. So that's that's the big difference probably between the, uh, again, I haven't played it, but between the You've polyphonic. one though, I fucking, it might be my favorite ride cymbal ever. I'll definitely check it out. I'll definitely and check it out. guess what, if you make, it sounds like we want the same things from rides. So if you better that, I will be playing the fucking Matt Halpern ride. 21s. At the we'll moment, see. I'm playing the craziest. Speaking of cymbal bleed, I'm playing the craziest setup. And I've just been mixing something yesterday. And I'm like, why is there cymbals everywhere? And I was like, oh, because I'm using a 22-inch Byzance brilliant crash. Huge. 23-inch heavy ride, which I crash on. Yeah. Might as well be a fucking spaceship. Sounds yeah, incredible. But huge. it's just, it's so much fun. But it's... I think if I was tracking, I would need to make the symbols higher, maybe, because they're just fucking, they're in everything. Well, but think about it in a live setting, too. Like, you wouldn't even need to mic that fucking symbol in a, in a room. I'm in a fucking hardcore band. We never mic symbols anyway. <laughs> That's why I wanted it. I was like, these are going to be loud enough to cut through fucking everyone. A lot of shit, yeah. I mean, I've just, I've, I'm sick of Alex Marchides and, and, Ronnie Young yelling at me as our you know our sound guys that tour with us being like your fucking cymbals are too loud and they bleed into Spencer's microphones. You know what's crazy about that though is because you used to, at least you used to use a lot of the extra dry shit. How's that bleeding? It's so quiet. Uh, because the the main crash that I would use was a. 19 inch Byzance medium thin that has a nice crash though. Nice, nice crash. The ride symbol, I didn't, that's the thing, I wasn't crashing on the ride, but then my left crashes have been, uh, and I still will probably stay this way because they're a little bit off to the side anyway, they don't really bleed into the mics, um, 18 and 19 inch extra thin hammered crashes. Oh, I think I saw you one, I, that time that we came to that Montreal show, was it somewhere in Canada? I'm sure you were playing like extra dry at the time. I may have been. I mean, I used to, but I, they're a little bit too dry for what yeah, I like. like. Yeah, for live, it's, it's not cutting. Right. Probably have the opposite problem. You need to boost the fucking overhead so hard that there's drums in there. Right. But, but dude, I mean, there were times when I was crashing on like the <clears throat> 22 inch dark ride or I was crashing on um, like even the transition ride, Mike Johnson's ride. Like, that thing sounds great. It's just when it's literally right here, front and center on my kit, as great as it sounds to me and for the, you know, in the context of my drum set, it bleeds right into the mic because of how vibrant it is. Um, and it just wasn't, you know, they made, my sound guys made it work, but they like to complain to me about it. So oh, Ronnie, Ronnie loves a complaint. Oh, it's great. Lo it's love him. Loves to complain. Amazing sound guy. Loves to complain. Yep. But that's, uh, so that's, that's, you know, it's, 
I guess the point of it is like it's always good to think about what else is in the lineup so that you're not recreating the wheel, reinventing the wheel. You want to try to figure out something that uh, that really suits you. And a great way to do that is to just base it off of you know what you know works and what doesn't work in, in one and then the other one and then mix it up i yeah. i would love for you to get a polyphonic to just to see i'll message what, chris yeah especially if you're like uh you know you're like technically r and in these things yeah um i would like because i don't like i don't ever play the bow of the ride ever i crash it or i hit the fucking bell the bow on the polyphonic isn't great, so I, but I, it's because to make a ride that crashes so well, the fucking science is that you make the bow thinner. Obviously, go go back and 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 listen to the uh, the playthrough I put up, the satellites playthrough, because that's that ride, the, or the, oh, that's sick. this ride. So go back and listen, and you'll hear like right when it opens, I'm playing on the bow, and then I'm crashing it a little bit, <clears throat> and I'm hitting the bell, and there's you'll hear all the aspects of it in that video. You can you can check it out. That's fucking sick. I found like my perfect ride in terms of bow, bell, and crash, but it's 23 inches. It's just not. I would have to change all of my fucking hard cases. Well, it's I was going to so say, right? And what did you my fit? Setup, my setup, it's the one that I'm currently playing on my streams. I love it, but it's just not practical. Yeah. It's, it's just too big. Like, I don't even know. I love symbols. I could talk about symbols all fucking day. Yeah. Well, they're. Yeah, it's the best part about the drum kit for sure, and throw, getting to throw up new symbols and try them out. We uh, we are indeed <clears throat> some crashes that were like a similar makeup where it's lathed on the bottom and hammered on the top, which creates sort of a like a, a the attack is vibrant, but it decays really quick that way. But at that size of like seventeen inch, eighteen inch, the way they were made, it was it sounded under. Like in a room, in a live room, it sounds great, but under the microphone, it sounded like a choke. Like it yeah, was, I was just gonna say, it, it probably sounded like a choke. Yeah. yeah, it was way too cut off. So, but that's 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 the fun of all this shit is like getting to tweak these things, and you know, it's like uh, it's like a science project. It's fucking awesome. That's what I love about symbols. The, the like yeah. the complex complexity of a single symbol is so insane, and then you need to fucking have ten of them sometimes. <laughs> Well, but then there's times where you find what really works. Like my China, like I, I have my China that I will always use and never change. China? Twenty inch Byzance China. That's it. Yeah. Twenty inch Byzance traditional. They sound unbelievable. I melt them. <laughs> I, I yeah. look at one and it dies. Yeah, I, I record with yeah. them every time. Every time I record with them. <laughs> I used to break the 22s a lot more for whatever reason. I don't really, I don't, I very rarely break the 20s. But I also am just like, I'm unwavering on the fact that like that is my China symbol. So I purposely try to like not beat the fuck out of it. But there, like you will see some performances where I decide to not care. Nice. Like if we reach they just the- sound incredible. Yeah, if we reach the middle of a tour and I have two more backups, I'll be. I'll probably have a night if I'm really feeling it. Well, I will try to break it because I just, you know, right. I know. Chris. Uh, Chris knows that though. He's he's aware. He he's the one who's sending me multiple fucking you know I, pallets of I these did, goddamn things. When I did the UK drum show, Norbert <clears throat> came to my sound check with obviously brand new cymbals, 
in the sound check I broke a 20 inch crash <laughs> it was fucking and it was it was just I was playing far too hard I was just fucking super excited dude he is the so is he your A&R guy over there yeah okay. I, I've got him and I've got Lawrence who's okay. the South African guy yeah 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 sure <clears throat> fucking Norbert man Love he is he's I've, He's the greatest. Did I did I ever tell you the story about the uh, the drum festival, the model festival in Poland when he opened the show and did his like initial speech? Mm-hmm. Um, he's just so matter of fact, and I don't even know if people laughed at it because it was it was such a European thing to do. So German. But he was like, <clears throat> he's giving his thing. We're so glad to be here. Yada 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 yada. Um, and by the way, don't use your phones to film the performances because we're already doing it with much nicer cameras and yours will straight up look like shit. So don't do it. That's what he literally said to the audience. He was like, we are recording this so you don't have to. Besides anything you record, that is an amazing impression. Besides anything (laughs) you record on your phone will end up looking like shit. So do not do it. I mean, he went slightly Indian at the end. Yeah. That's a fucking great impression. Oh, thank you. But yeah, that's, I mean, it was, it's just so matter of fact. He wasn't even trying to be funny, but he's just, you know, don't do it because everything that you guys do in the audience is going to look and sound like shit. And uh, we don't want that out there publicly. So don't film this. We will. There's the, the attention to detail that they have is fucking crazy. What I was going to mention <clears throat> before was I have my China as well, which is the... 18-inch pure alloy. I just love it. I know it's not a fucking... It's not a B20 metal, but it sounds incredible, and it's as indestructible as a China gets. Mm. I, I think I... Add an extra inch on it. I feel like... Is it the pure alloys that I've used? It's an 18-inch? Like, yeah, I don't personally like the crashes. They're too bright for me, but the pure alloy custom crashes are amazing. Oh, right, and right, right. Yep. The pure alloy China is unbelievable and it I can do a whole tour with one sometimes. Those things are definitely yeah, those are built to last. What's the uh the reserve line? I haven't had a chance to play any of those. Have have you checked those out? I got sent by accident. I don't know why. I got sent a box and it was the foundry reserve line. Yeah. And I messaged Norbert and was like are these for me? Because you sometimes won't let me have a symbol because you think I'll break it. And this looks like it's made out of a delicious, f- like fucking foil from a chocolate. Right. Uh, what's going on? And he was like, yeah, they're not for you. That's a mistake. Can you please send them back? And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so that's I didn't even funny. play them. I got, I took them out and I gave him a little tap. and was like, oh, that's nice. I'm definitely going to break that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I haven't, I, I wonder if that's why I haven't gotten those either, but, I'd be curious to know what they sound like for sure. Although at this point I'm so like, I've really solidified the sound that I like for the most part. Um, and that's nice. Cause I don't foresee really changing it up at this point, you know, at least for periphery. The only thing I want is an inch on my China. <coughs> 19. So is that what you were I, asking I, about? I want a 19. I record with the 20 that you play with. Yeah. But I break too many of them and the kind of stages that we play and the way our stage is set up, neck is so close to me that a 20 will either hit his base cap or i have to have it so close to hitting one of my other symbols for my setup yeah. but then an 18 is too small 
to really fucking get into. So a 19 is the fucking the one I want. They don't have the machinery for it. Right. And it is so it's very like they would have to build the machine for that. Yeah. Yeah. I told them I would fucking pay for it and they still said we'll see. That shit. Obviously they don't need the fucking money. But I was like let me pay for the fucking machine. I want this fucking china. Oh man. Are there any 19 inch chinas? No. Uh, not in mine. Right, that's what I was going to uh, say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On uh, Zildjian Maker 19-inch K, which fucking rips, and the 19-inch Paragon mm. Neil Pert. Neil Pert, again, fucking rips. It's free money, baby. Come on. It's interesting, yeah. It, it, I've never used a 19-inch China now that I think about it, but it would probably sound really good. It's the perfect blend. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, I, I did, I, I would play a 20 ideally. I just, in my setup, I can't do it. So the 19 solves the problem. Give me a little bit of a lower pitch, a little bit more fucking cushion for pushing, but I can still keep it in my fucking setup. Yeah. Damn, man. That's crazy that they don't have that machinery. Well, just keep, keep uh, grinding them about it and maybe they'll. I do it almost weekly. Yeah. But I think, I think we're getting to the point where it's like, we had a conversation and they were like, when we can do it, we'll do it. Right, and, it and they, will. they will. They yeah. will. They they won't forget. That's the that's the beauty of those guys. They're fucking really good at what they do, and they keep their word. Um, so I got to wrap in like five minutes for another call. We can we can wrap it right now if you want. Um, I know. We're gonna I have to. We, we have to part two. Yeah. The, well, the, do you, there's other stuff you wanted to talk about too, isn't there? There's fucking loads. Fucking meditation, Ice Man, Nifties. Oh, shit. Yeah. I wanted to have a, a fucking massive talk about fucking... Yeah, we're going to have to do another one. Hopefully this one will be such a smash. People will be like, I don't care if I get it the fucking following week. Give me the extra episode. We can, we can find a time. That's going to be a topic, though, that <clears throat> may be polarizing based on the right. response. I don't know. If, did I'm you... seeing so much fucking negative shit. Did you this see... Is what I was going for when I'm talking about the people being outraged by shit. Mm. Yeah. How many of those people have normal crypto and then... Like, I don't know the ecological impact of NFTs. Like, I don't know what happens. Yeah. But surely it's not far off what it is for normal crypto. It's not... Sum it up in five minutes. Go. <laughs> Look, I don't, I don't have the answers specifically. I'm going off of what I've read. But from my understanding, the charts I've looked at, what I've read, what the people who have been in crypto for a very long time have told me is that <clears throat> the Ethereum train is going to be rolling and creating blocks no matter what happens. Adding an NFT to that train makes a very small difference. That's what I think in the energy consumption. Like either you are annoyed with crypto, or you aren't annoyed. Like right. the NFT isn't the problem. The Ethereum is the problem. So if you're annoyed, be annoyed at that. Like right. don't be annoyed at artists who are just trying to make a bit of fucking money with a new fucking concept during this fucking horrendous times. Be annoyed at the fucking A, either be annoyed at the crypto for being unecological, or be an, like be annoyed at the situation that's driving artists to want to do this. That's right. And People wouldn't do this if they were paid properly. 
That's I have right. an NFT ready to fucking go. I'm just sat on it because I'm like, oh, I'm worried. Well, the, the problem is there's so many segments of it where like, you know, okay, there, there's something I read was about how there are certain artists in third world countries who now because of NFTs are able to feed their whole fucking village. And at that point, they... That's fucking cool. Right. Which didn't... Now, this didn't exist before. But these people... Like, if given the choice to either have everyone who they love starve or to take part in NFTs that may or may not, because I don't know for sure, damage part of the environment, like, which are they going to choose? Well, if I were in that situation, I have to, I have to think of anybody who's arguing about this. We're in a third world country where they have to choose to either do something that might be damaging for the environment to feed their whole village or starve to death. This is legit. Yes, that's legit. That's legit. That sounds like, I mean, if I was trying to make a case for it, I would probably make up a fake fucking third world country artist. But I, no, it's it, it, it is, and I mean, I can I can send you the I can send you the article that I read that talks about that. But again, this is what I'm saying about segments of it because then you talk about people in the first world, like you and me, who don't need to make that decision, and it's just an extra, you know, it's a it's a if you're just looking at it from a monetary standpoint, not the artistic standpoint. Yeah. If you're just looking at it monetarily, it is an extra revenue stream for us potentially to take advantage of. That arguably, people will say, we don't need, especially at the sacrifice of our environment. And in that case, sure, that argument may be valid. But again, I don't personally know the data well enough to be able to say how badly the minting of an NFT really does contribute to the, the, the economic, or I'm sorry, the, uh, the environmental damage. I don't know either, but it's like I, I see the outrage and I see why aren't you annoyed at Ethereum? You're annoyed at artists because they're easy fucking targets and you're fucking bored. That's what I see. I don't know the ins and outs, but that's what it comes across as to me. I see the, all the comments. I see artists that I fucking respect who are incredibly left-leaning, like quote-unquote on the good side, and they post that they got an NFT and they get destroyed in and, the comments. Right, right. And these people, I know a lot of them, are even doing their part to offset their carbon footprint. Whether it makes a real difference or not, I don't know. But the fact that they are willing to take the step to donate towards whatever it is, whether it's just the carbon fund or it's planting trees or it's XYZ, they're, they're doing that. It's more than the banks or fucking McDonald's or fucking Tesla or any of that shit. Right. And I mean, you, it's funny. It, 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 part of this article was saying that like YouTube, just YouTube itself, YouTube uses up the same amount of energy as crypto, not NFTs, crypto. That's insane. So the people that, that we're seeing who are bashing NFTs and bashing crypto, who may not be doing this with YouTube, are just misinformed. And that's, that's what I'm, 
uh, without nice save with an but, excellent save but it's the truth but it is, I but know, it is but I, it, because really i could be misinformed on what i'm saying too because there really isn't enough data and arguably there aren't enough of the experts out there the people who have created ethereum or who are working on this tirelessly every day are not necessarily the ones that are speaking up about these issues other people are and <clears throat> the people that are speaking up about it are using the 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 information they're getting from the person they talk to and it's going through again a, a telephone potentially and sharing this data and on top of that you have a lot of people that are sharing information who are extremely opinionated and arguably biased i saw i read a horrible hit piece on this whole thing from somebody who is not neutral in any way and secondly is a curator of a physical fine art gallery and you mean to tell me this person doesn't oh, yeah. have, so have a fucking agenda right and but but it's a still a loud voice and in the media it's part of the misinformation that people are digesting um and that's what i'm that's that's my point it's like we all might be misinformed on this but you know the the reality is <clears throat> it's probably worth it to learn about it and take the time to form your own personal opinion on it and strategy on it before listening to a bunch of people that are spouting off about something that doesn't even have legitimate information out there in a way that is clear for everyone to understand. You have to read both sides, participate in it, see what it's actually costing because that's the other thing. It's like when I minted my personal NFTs, it wasn't, it, it didn't cost me exorbitant gas fees, which is what they're saying is, is attributing to the environmental yeah. damage. If you do it at the right time of day and you, you, you know, you're careful about it, it doesn't need to be a massive gas fee, nor does it need to be a massive amount of time to mint something. So what's the fucking, the gas fee is for the Ethereum that's getting used? Yes. It, the, the, the gas fee is the price you pay for the computers that are writing the transactions onto the blockchain to pick up your transaction, do the algorithm, and okay. com compete the, so, to do the to then write it on the blockchain. So, and when someone, so when someone moves crypto from one wallet to another, same gas fee as an NFT? No. It's different for a transfer than it is for a mint for this or that because of the amount of... of data and and the algorithms that need to be written so there are different levels of fees based on what's happening but the traffic at the times when you try to mint something or, or make a transaction affects the price and the amount of time it takes and therefore the amount of computations that are that are being you know carried out to do this, this which is so complex is there is. a chance that the whole the whole thing is a hit from the fine art culture and <clears throat> fucking people who's because in my head that's all i think i think what my main annoyance is with people being annoyed at artists for this like we are i'm calling i'm putting myself in the same fucking boat but we got it pretty fucking shit right now yeah like we do you got if you got like someone please let me know if i'm completely wrong about the whole thing and it fucking kills 
500 deers if someone puts up if people puts out a fucking photo of Trump that moves but like if like be annoyed at the system don't be annoyed at the artists that are using the system they're only using it because they have to like it's not they're not doing it like oh it's not like fucking an episode of Captain Planet like there's an artist at home like oh, I'm gonna torch the rainforest today look at this it's a shining spinning wheel <laughs> buy it <laughs> buy it and it'll destroy the rainforest I'm gonna dump toxic waste in the rainforest by doing this cartoon right on no the one, that's the thing no one is doing that no one's and, doing that and there's a whole other side to this which is like <clears throat> the NFT community the artists that are involved in it it's a it's a pretty like it's a really cool supportive community of good people that are I've in fact I would argue I mean I've said this before but like it's so similar to the way that people in our music community support each other and help each other and lift each other up it's it's awesome these people are not out with a secret agenda to destroy the earth they're artists that are trying to take advantage of exactly. of their freedom when having been essentially marginalized and pushed aside and shit on their whole fucking careers. And there, there's finally a way for them to take back that ownership. And then what you have happen is what you're saying, which is like a, a bunch of critics and people that are arguably bored. misinformed and bored are shitting all over them and making them feel bad about these decisions. And, and, you know, I can only speak for, for, ourselves but you know like for for periphery but like the the reaction that we got from our fans when we even talked about nfts was so brutal it was like the it was the worst feedback we've seen in the history of our career you want to do a song about nazis that gave you some fucking bad feedback <laughs> you're damn right but that sucks but, i want to i want to have a look i want to see because i i've only seen on like like it got to artists. I mean you yeah you can look on uh, there's some reddit threads out there about it but like at the same time we are not we are not the type of band that will just say fuck you to our fans we love our fans we we listen to them we support them um we respect their wishes in this regard however what's frustrating about it is so much of it is very extreme of what they're saying. And again, I'm not saying that it's not true. I'm not arguing that like the, the, the things that people are, are getting gassed up about no pun intended. Um, hey. <laughs> I'm not saying that they're unfounded. I'm just saying there's not enough data to be so fucking mad, but I guess we're not ready to die on that hill, you know, uh, to, to fight against, people that are obviously very passionate about letting us know what they want and don't want. So for now, it's like... Your fans fucking suck, though. I can say <laughs> this. You, you can't. I'm really sorry, but like, I have a phrase for the, just the type of people to offer unsolicited advice, but not like you did, like unsolicited critiques on fucking everything, and you bet your fucking ass every single one of them listens to Periphery. Fart sniffers. They sniff fucking farts. They sit at home, all of them, fart into their fucking hand, share it around and go, oh, what do you think about this? What do you think about the tone in this one? Mm, yeah, there's like a Brussels sprouts thing in there. Shut the fuck up. Listen to the fucking music. 
if they fucking they do the NFT, then be like, guys, maybe this isn't the move. I don't know though. Let me fucking read something about it. Is there not a way you could carbon offset this? Blah 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 blah. Shut the fuck up. And I like your band. I but I'm just I don't fall into these people. <sighs> well, <laughs> speechless. <laughs> Should we leave it there? Uh, yeah, let's leave it there. The only the only thing that I'll say uh, there is a there's a small conglomerate of our fans. I don't know if they sniff their own farts, but they do love to talk about their dicks a lot. Really? Oh, they, yeah. They like to tell us when they have boners and that we made them climax and all sorts of stuff like that. Wow. We, yeah. So, but there was none of that when we started talking about NFTs. It was the total opposite that their dicks crawled up into their. Their bodies oh, and no away, so They're, they didn't get any fucking Captain Planet nuclear waste boners. I saw <clears> this <throat> one guy at home like, yes, periphery are gonna destroy the earth, and I will masturbate. I will <laughs> masturbate onto the scorched earth that is left behind from periphery's single NFT. Oh man, well look, uh, we can certainly talk about this more as as we move further down the line here, but. Um, you know, who, it, it is a very hot, heated topic right now, and there are a lot of a lot of uh, people that are up in arms about it. But I, again, I have to go back to the fact that there is also a, a proven amount of misinformation out there, and I don't think the artists are the ones that should be getting the brunt exactly. of it. 100%. I really don't, especially because I have a feeling that whether people like it or not, this is the way things are going to be going. NFTs are going to be in in a in a period of years, if not sooner. They're going to be a part of everyday life. I fully agree. Any anyone that I know with kids or any of my like nieces and nephews or whatever, like they want something for Christmas. It is a non fungible thing. They want Fortnite skins. It doesn't exist. Right. You're paying for the flex. Like this is the fucking future. Maybe we just need to figure out how to carbon offset it or get all the information out there. And there are people, a lot of people and companies working on protocols that are way less taxing on the environment. There's, there's, I mean, there's a number of them out there. And even the people at Ethereum are working on Ethereum 2.0, which is, mm-hmm. um, which is told to be a massive in, or will be a massive improvement. But of course, there's a lot of naysayers and there's a lot of people that don't believe that's happening. But I also don't believe that the people who are behind this are inherently evil and are inherently trying to destroy the same earth that we all live on. And it's an, it's not a perfect medium yet, but these people are brilliant and I I have faith that they will figure it out. Could also, also conspiracy tin foil hat time could be coming from the banks. As a deep dig, deep dig on crypto, because they are the two bankers are either doing one of two things right now: fucking misinformation and shitting on crypto, saying that it's fucking gambling, blah blah blah, or like fucking the guy from J.P. Morgan and shit buying in heavy because they yeah. fucking know that that's the future. It, it remains Exciting to be seen. Exciting times. Yeah, we'll see, man. Just you got to do your own research and like, don't just jump on a bandwagon because you think someone spouting something is smart, like read as much as you can form your own opinion. You know, that's, that's the advice that I would give to people who are mad about this right now. Just form your own opinion. And if you still are mad, then okay. 
be mad about something else going on. There's so much more horrible shit than a bit of fucking art. Come on, <coughs> you fucking fart sniffers. You have another call. I could talk about this all fucking day. Uh, yeah, I do got to jump on. Um, but thank you for having me back. And uh, I will, I will send. Yeah, I'll send this to send you. Send it. I'm gonna do it right now. Sorry, all right. Man. All right, man. Okay. I, I appreciate you. All right, bro. Talk to you soon. Bye.